Um, well, this morning we are um, excited to have a longtime friend and um, kind of a, an elder overseer for our church, Jim Britz, here with us. And uh, he's the pastor of Parkside Church up in Oceanside and has been kind of walking alongside us through thick and thin over the past two years, um, ever since the kind of like the very beginnings of our church, we were, we were kind of remembering how, um, how we started off and, and Obed reached out to Jim and said, we need support, we need help. And Jim was like, you're an orphan, you need a, you need a parent. So they've been our parent and uh, we're, we're uh, a little toddler. So Jim's, uh, Jim's been an awesome and gracious kind of support to our church. So we're going to hear from him. He's going to open up the book of Acts as we're starting our series through the book. Um, that's going to take us through pretty much the rest of the year, um, if not more than a year. So uh, let's welcome up Jim. He's going to preach this All morning. Right. Hey, it's an honor to be here with you guys. And if you guys are toddler, we're, we're a five-year-old church, so you've got a parent that's five. Uh, so hopefully we'll be okay. Um, but we love you guys at Parkside. You need to know there's a whole church up there that, uh, man, we have prayed for you uh, as a whole congregation, like in our services regularly, and especially lately, we've been doing that uh, a lot. Um, Obed asked me to share a little bit about myself just for a sec before we dive in for this morning. So I've uh, been married to my wife, Rachel, for 18 years, and she would have come with me, but she's the children's director at Parkside, and she's more important than I am. So, uh, and I invited, we have three kids, Jaden, Jordan, and Josie. Uh, Jaden and Jordan are uh, nine and six, and we uh, adopted them through the foster care system. And then a couple, like two weeks after bringing home Jordan, and our dream was always a boy and a girl. We're like, all right, God, you brought it about in a different way than we thought, but we're excited. We finally got pregnant. Uh, and so Josie uh, is five, and, uh, and I invited all of them to come. And so I love it. They love their church so much. In fact, Jordan and Josie yesterday were attaching invite cards to pieces of candy, some of them half eaten, <laughs> that they could go walking around the neighborhood of the church inviting people. So, um, so they're, they're not here. And we, yeah, our, our church Parkside uh, started just a couple years ago. Um, I was a youth pastor for years and um, God woke me up in the middle of the night, told me to go to a park behind my house. And he talks to me every once in a while. And that's kind of just part of my relationship with God. And uh, uh, our lead pastor of our church where I was in youth ministry said, uh, asked me to start praying to plant a church. And I'd said, no, I'm, I'm gonna be in youth ministry for life. I, in fact, I used to even say, I'm not gonna be one of those sellout youth pastors that plants a church. And, uh, oh and so God woke me up in the middle of the night and, um, and I said, God, I know what it's about. Don't worry, I'm gonna stay true to your calling on my life. And I heard an audible voice from God. And uh, I'm not the guy that's always hearing voices. This is the only time in my life. But it's like you talking to me right now. God said to me, Jim, I'm not asking you to leave youth ministry. I'm asking you to plant a church. And that's where Parkside Church, if you like parks, you love Parkside, uh, big focus on the next, next generation. Um, and I get to start by showing you a clip from not only one of my favorite movies, but one of the best movies ever made. And if you argue with it, you're wrong. So check this out. This is from Rocky II.
that be awesome? Like you like go on a run one morning and all of a sudden all the kids from your neighborhood are chasing you around with you and yelling your, maybe some of you guys are like, I'm an introvert, Jim. That sounds like horrible things. Uh, but uh, man, wouldn't it be nice to have that kind of power? Like the sense of like, you know, just and strength and to sprint up these steps. And that's one thing to watch. It's another thing to experience. Um, when I was a senior in college, I went to Biola, sorry, Point Loma students. And uh, we went on a missions trip to Honduras. And it was right after they'd had this thing called Hurricane Mitch. And it was right in that area where there were like giant rivers that didn't exist before. And it just wiped out villages. And we were there to help rebuild homes. And I got partnered with a grandfather named Jose and his grandson, Joel. And I was on the side of this village where there was no one else from my team. And um, it would just be me and these two guys and then tons of little kids. They'd, they'd come up to me every day and they'd say, Jaime, Jaime, which means Jim. Como estas, which means very handsome man. And they'd, <laughs> they'd come up to me. And so I built, built this house with a grandfather and grandson every day. And I'm not sure if I helped very much. But then at the end of a week and a half, then I went uh, to the other side of the village where they were living at that time. And I brought a couple guys from my team and I didn't have very good Spanish. And so I think at one point I insulted their cat and I don't know, we're just sitting there talking. And then the guys on my team, they go, oh man, look at the time. And we were in charge of uh, a night service where a couple hundred, hundred people from like this village area would come hear the gospel. We were in charge and we were late. So the guys take off down the one road in this village, but I couldn't leave because these are my people, right? So I've got to like, adios, high five, mis amigos, you know, papuchis, last ones, piggyback rides. And, um, and finally the guys are like 400 yards ahead of me. And I'm like, I got to go. So I start jogging down the one uh, road in this village and a couple kids start to follow me. Uh, and then packs of kids start to follow me. Like a hundred kids are running with me and people from the village start lining the streets. And they, Viva la Jaime! And, uh, and these kids are running and my buddies ahead of me look and they're like, oh my goodness, Brits is the Latin Rocky. So they start humming really loudly. Dun, 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 dun. I'm looking around going, this is my dream come true. So I'm doing, they have no idea of Sylvester Stallone, the you know, Italian Stein, Rocky Balboa, but they're just jumping around with me. I go up the highest building in the whole town. It was just one step up, but uh, they're jumping with me. Wouldn't it be nice to have that kind of power? Um, you know, maybe not that kind of power, but the kind of power where like you talk to your kids and they listen to you, you know, or uh, you have an opinion at work and people are like, that's brilliant. But your pastor probably says that word way more than I do. But, uh, um, uh, you know, just, just the idea of going, and I've got, I've got some power in my life that, that things, are, things are good. But my guess is most of us walked in here today and we don't feel that way, at least not most of the time. Um, maybe we feel weak or exhausted or ignored or disrespected or powerless. Maybe powerless in your marriage to make things better. Maybe powerless in your finances. You've got too much to pay and not enough to pay the money, you know? Uh, or maybe powerless in your schedule. You just feel like you're going from thing to thing to thing and not enough time to get it all done. Maybe you're a student and powerless in your studies and you're Teachers just don't get it that they're ganging up on you and you can't do anything to stop all the work that they're sending or powerless with your health or your kids and your family and you can't get your kids to stop acting crazy in Walmart, embarrassing you every time they're there. True story for me. Uh, or powerless, you can't go back and change regrets you have from your past no matter how many times you say, I'm sorry. Or powerless to be able to change your past and some things that happened to you and to truly move on in life. Or maybe powerless to stay on your diet for more than one hour a week or powerless to wake up in the morning as much as you want to to spend some time with God or, man, you've got this awesome idea and powerless just to start it and to get it going. Um, 
Maybe you don't feel like Rocky. You feel like, I just, I don't know what to do in, in, my, in my life. And if, if you can connect with any of those things or you can come up with your own, I think you have a, a little bit of the view of probably how the disciples felt before they became the disciples. Um, they grew up in, uh, first of all, in God's, I mean, the Israelites in Israel, where they had not heard a fresh word from God for over 400 years. On top of that, they're in a land that is run by another country, by the Romans. And there are Roman soldiers everywhere you look with weapons reminding you that you don't have any power. And they tax the heck out of these people to the point of 90% of the Jews living in Israel were living underneath the poverty line. And every young Jewish boy, his dream was to become a rabbi. And if you did really well in school, you keep on getting promoted up and up and up. But Jesus doesn't ask any of the rabbis to be his disciples. He asks fishermen and tax collectors, guys who had failed. They were living option B or C or D in their life. And then Jesus comes alongside these guys and he says, come and follow me. And Jesus has power, right? He starts doing miraculous things all over the place. He's healing the blind, he's raising the dead and leprosy's gone, the paralyzed are walking along and he starts doing powerful things in and through them. This know-nothing guy from a know-nothing town who's a carpenter, you know, and all of a sudden feeding 5,000 people with a Lunchable. I mean, all these crazy things. And the people that were powerful in that culture, like at least in, the, in that land, like the Pharisees, Jesus would run mental circles around them, making them look bad. Jesus would walk into the temple and if he didn't see something he liked, he's throwing tables over, punting chickens. He's just like, and I mean, they're going, we're with him, right? I mean, they had, power and for the first time ever in their life. Can you imagine? I mean, you show up at an Albertsons and they don't have your Redbox movie and you just push it over and be like, what's wrong with you? And people are cheering your name. I mean, that, that's kind of the life that they're living. And they're thinking, this is what it's going to be like forever. In fact, man, we've read about this Jesus from the Old Testament and called Old Testament at the time. But listen to this. This is Zechariah uh, 9, 9 and 10. It says, rejoice greatly, daughter, uh, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. We're walking with the guy that's going to rule the whole earth. Oh, man, this is awesome. And he comes into Jerusalem riding a donkey. I mean, it's perfect. And then everything falls apart in a weekend. And the one that they're following gets arrested and falsely accused over and over again and whipped and beaten and eventually sentenced to crucifixion. And they watch him die. And whatever courage and confidence they had, man, is immediately ripped away, right? And they're hiding out going, what the heck are we gonna do now? Have you ever been in that place before in, in your life? Can you act with them? I was in a good place, but... Things went horribly wrong. I had courage, but I lost it. I had hope, but they were, they were crushed. I had confidence, but now I live in fear. We just lost our leader. What are we gonna do now? Not calling Obed Jesus, but can we connect with this at all, right? I mean, the sense of going, hey, things were making sense, and now all of a sudden, what are we gonna do? And then Jesus rises from the dead. And I think at that point, they're like, whatever that guy says from here on out, we're just going to go with that, right? When you can rise from the dead, hey, you've got some street cred. Uh, and like, what is there to fear? And the book of Acts, which we're studying over the next several months, and I think it's my, it's my favorite book in the Bible, takes these ordinary, fearful guys and sees them become world-changing people. 
as you look at movements around the world, I've become a student of that over this last year. Do you know there's more uh, movements of God where like we call it revival or awakening, more of those going on right now on the planet than ever before in the history of the world? If you're just to look at, you know, okay, what's the landscape of spirituality on the, on the planet? If they were to describe it, they would say, this is the most exciting time, even like than the book of Acts right now. And when they look, here's what they see. There's always before that, there is a movement of empowerment of ordinary people realizing God can use me to do extraordinary things. So they take these ordinary, fearful guys and God used them to change the world. And their lives are really the best defense that Jesus rose from the dead. Something happened in them, something they saw that transformed them from hiding to boldly proclaiming Jesus, even to the point of giving their lives for him. And in Acts chapter one, verse eight, we're gonna, we're gonna read up to that point, but we see the word power again. And we read that, He says, you will receive power, meaning this power that they're gonna get and that we have is not our own. We don't manufacture it. It's power from God. And that word power in the Greek is the word dunamis. Can we say dunamis? Dunamis. Yeah, and it it means, you know, power comes with the word dynamite or dynamic, strength, power, ability. Um, So if you have a Bible, turn. it looks like you guys are pretty good. Turn to Acts chapter one. Let me read to you uh, verses one through three. That's the context of where this whole thing starts. It says, in my former book, and my is this guy named Luke. So if you've read the book of Luke, this is uh, the sequel to Luke. It says, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he has chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive, like, hey, here I am talking to you right now. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. There's this guy, Luke, who was actually a doctor, which is really interesting, right? That this doctor is talking about all these supernatural miracles that happens. And we're gonna learn today, he's gonna give two terms that are really kind of like the, the railways for the whole book of Acts. Like you get these two, these are the two massive things for the whole book. And you see the first one in verse three, and it's the kingdom of God. Um, he speaks on the kingdom of God. It says for 40 days, which is interesting. Jesus rises from the dead. Now he's got their attention if he didn't already. And he could have lots of things he's gonna talk about. And he's gonna talk about one topic every time he meets with him, the kingdom of God. Which probably wasn't super surprising to them because that's what Jesus talked about all the time when he was with them before. In fact, in the gospels, the kingdom of God is mentioned 85 times out of the mouth of Jesus. Um, He was constantly talking about this all the time. And here's the definition of it. God's sovereign activity in the world resulting in people being in right relationship with himself. In fact, one time Jesus would say, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So this is the most important thing you need to seek in your life. Uh, I was at a conference years ago and Obed went with me a couple years later to the same one. And uh, the speaker talked about the kingdom of God and I was so moved by it. I'm like, this has got to become my own thing. So I went home and for the next couple months, I just looked up every single time in the gospels, it said the kingdom of God and I wrote it out and what was like, what Jesus was teaching on that. Sure enough, 85 times, I can validate that. Um, And from, from that, I started just grouping it and going, when he talked on the kingdom, what did that mean? And I broke it into 12 themes. You might be smarter and you could do 15, but, but for me, I had 12 and I all tied them all with the letter C just to make it cute. But some of them, the kingdom of God is centered on the king. It compels all to share. It calls all to repent. It cares for the forgotten. It's about celebration. It's culturally diverse. It can't be stopped. It comes with power. It's all these incredible things. Uh, so when the kingdom of God comes, it's where things are as they should be. 
It's when heaven is coming down to earth. It's God in action. Jesus constantly said, the kingdom of God is near, meaning things are gonna be made right. Um, I heard this guy, Reggie McNeil, he wrote a book called Kingdom Come. And at one point he says this, in Jesus' day, a kingdom outbreak meant that the lame could walk, the blind could see, the lepers were made whole because these physical conditions prevented people from working to support themselves. Their disabilities doomed them to beggary and pottery, poverty. Delivering people from these maladies made a much better life possible. In our day, manifestations of the kingdom may still include physical healings, but they also mean that people are freed from limiting conditions that keep them locked into perpetually poor life situations. Thus, kingdom efforts result in kids learning to read so they have a chance at graduation, the unemployed finding jobs, the uninsured gaining access to adequate health care, and the homeless finding a place to call home. The kingdom always brings life. And here's this huge mistake that sometimes we can make is that we don't focus on the kingdom, we focus on church. And church is a great thing. So this was God's idea, way to go, you're at church, that's great. Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God 85 times. He spoke about the church twice. Um, and really, as you look at church, he said, he's the one that's gonna build it. The church is just a tool to build and expand the kingdom of God. That, that, that this church is living out its mission, not when we go, hey, I'm coming every week, or man, we're getting bigger as a church. It's when the kingdom of God is expanding and this church is being used to see that happen in San Diego and the Western United States and all over the world. So we get the first thing in the book of Acts is the purpose is the kingdom of God. Hey, is the kingdom of God expanding? That's what he called people to do. And ushering the kingdom of God uh, is, is just a part of it though, but it's a huge task. But then so he goes on from that. Check out verse, verse four through eight, the, ne- the next thing that happens here. It says, so on one occasion, and my guess is probably the most important one because we're gonna mention it here. <laughs> While he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for my gift for my, that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time gonna restore the kingdom to Israel? Meaning, are you gonna get back in charge? Like, let's get back to the power plan. Let's do that again. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So, Jesus has just talked for 40 days about the kingdom of God and making things as they should be. And I think the disciples are going, this sounds awesome, man. This is great. Let's do it. Just back like how it was before when Jesus was kicking butt and blessing people all over the place. And then he leaves. And instead of his first thing to say, hey, go do all that, he says, hey, now I need you to just go stop and wait and pray. That's his first commandment. Would you just go, just wait and pray for the Holy Spirit to come and empower you? So what do we learn about the Holy Spirit, about the Spirit of God in this passage? A couple of things. One is it's the Spirit of God, meaning it's, the Holy Spirit's not an it, it's a he, it's a person. And we learn the Spirit of God is a gift from God that's promised to us. He talks about it being baptized of the Holy Spirit. So a lot of times we think of like, yeah, I got the Holy Spirit in my heart. And that's true. But I think it's, it's more like you're immersed in the Holy Spirit. Like he takes over you. I mean, think of if you watched the, the Super Bowl last week, Andy Reid, man, it's not like a little cup of Gatorade is like poured over his heart. It's like the whole thing is like over him, right? That The Holy Spirit comes on to us and, and takes over our lives. In the middle of it, they ask, hey, when are you coming? And Jesus is kind of like, well, don't worry about that. 
Like instead, just worry that, hey, this gift is coming to you. And so here's another thing is the Holy Spirit brings power. When the Holy Spirit comes in your life, things change. Like he's going, hey, remember what it was like to walk around with me? That's what you have now inside of you. And the Holy Spirit spreads to others. You're gonna be my witnesses. In fact, you guys are maybe feeling like this is already, um, man, difficult, but you're gonna impact the nations through me because of the spirit that's alive in you. So check this out. The purpose is the kingdom of God. The power is the spirit of God. And when these things come together, it's explosive. That's the whole book of Acts. The purpose is the kingdom of God and the power is the spirit of God. Here's a way to say it real simply. The spirit of God at work in me overflows to build the kingdom of God all around me. Is that up on the screen there? Can we read that together? Ready? One, two, three. The spirit of God at work in me overflows to build the kingdom of God all around me. Okay, now say it with like some conviction, like with some passion, because this is it, right? This is what's gonna happen to the disciples. And this is what God wants to do in and through this church to change San Diego. Ready? One, two, three. The spirit of God at work in me overflows to build the kingdom of God all around me. Here's another way of saying it. What starts inside of me, God spreads internationally. Something as small as like an idea in your mind, God says, I'm gonna transform that into changing the world. And this wasn't a new thing. This was actually, God had been talking about this all throughout the Old Testament scriptures. Let me read you just a couple of them. This is Isaiah 44, three through four, written thousands of years before the disciples. It says, for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I'll pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. Ezekiel 36 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. One more, Joel 2, it says, and afterward I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. When you get God's purpose, you get God's power. You go, God, I'm gonna join you in your purpose, which is expanding the kingdom of God. You get my power, which is the spirit of God. You get the Holy Spirit. So what did it look like for the disciples? How did that change things for them? And really the same things are true for us. Let me give you four of them. The first one is there was a transition from outside to inside. It wasn't, hey, Jesus is over there and I'm here. A lot of times we're thinking, how do I get to God? It's not about getting to God or getting back to God. It's about surrendering to God. He's, he's, he's in you. And so it's going, not anymore is it, how do I go be more like Jesus or go walk with Jesus? It's how do I let Jesus take over? He's in me from outside to inside. And, and remember this, this is the same Jesus who was fully God. So the God that created the whole universe that breathes stars into existence. It says that in Psalm 91. Science says that there's a new star that exists every single second. Think about that. When God breathes and exhales, stars come out. When I breathe and exhale, bad breath comes out. When God does, man, massive star. I mean, he's huge. That's alive, that power in you. Another one is from sometimes to always. Jesus uh, was accessible to him, not every single moment. Sometimes he'd go off to be with the father. Sometimes he was sleeping in a boat and they didn't want to bother him. But now the disciples had access to the God of the universe any moment of the day at any time, which is true for us as well. Man, in the middle of the night, God can speak to you through your dreams if he wants to. I mean, it's nuts. From fearful to boldness. And they're hiding out in this room to now, hey, they're gonna go risk their lives for Christ. 
Paul would speak about this later in 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, don't you know that you've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline? You ever thought about that? You have the power potential of Jesus alive in you. You have the love potential of Jesus inside of you. You have the self-discipline potential of Jesus inside. I'm just not good at memorizing scripture. I'm just not good at being committed to things. Shut up. You have Jesus in you, his self-discipline ability, right? In, in you, man, run with that. Uh, move from fearness to boldness, and then it moved from me to we. This is a passage. He's not speaking to an individual. He's speaking to people saying, you guys are in this together. You're not alone. Hey, this is community. It's together. It's a they. Now, what happens if we get so focused on the kingdom of God, but we forget the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit? We get exhausted and we get burnt out. Have you ever been there before? Man, we're so pumped about the mission. I'm gonna go after this, but I'm not in intimacy, abiding in time with the Father. Um, we as a church, we've actually, we don't always theme the year, but this year we have a theme, it's called Sabbath year. Uh, and we've just said, this is a year where we're going, if we only accomplish one thing all year, that we, hey, really grow in what it means to be with God and, and to pray, it'll be a good year. So we've spent the first month just talking about that. And then last week, we actually turned our chairs to face each other in the service. And I got up for 10 minutes and I said, you're the sermon. If you guys can't share something now, then the last month was a waste. And like this rest of the year, we're in trouble. Uh, I said, you got a minute and I want you to answer a couple questions. How has hurry sickness messed you up in life? How are you gonna actually live out Sabbath year this next year? And what are you hoping is gonna happen? I was like, Lord, please let somebody get up. And we went, this is the longest service we've ever had as a church, as person after person got up and shared how their lives are gonna be transformed, right? So, so the sense of, of uh, man, we've gotta have God's spirit in us or we, we fry. But if you get too focused on the spirit of God, but you forget the kingdom of God, you get atrophy. Maybe you've experienced that before too, where you go, man, we're feeling so close to God, but we're not actually seeing anything happen. If, if we're gonna get God's heart and his purpose, then we gotta care about all the people that aren't in this room right now. We can't be about preservation. We gotta be about transformation. And when these two come together, the spirit of God and the kingdom of God, everything changes. And I was told to preach uh, Acts 1, 9 through 11. So let me just read to you how these last verses end here. Here's what it says. After this, after he said this, so he just said, hey, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hit him from their sight. Can you think about that for a second? So, um, you know, you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I don't know if there's a sound effect, but that's what's going on, right? And they just, he just floated up. And I just, don't you picture them all going like, is he coming back? I don't, is, is that him? No, that's a cloud. I mean, right? I mean it's just kind of weird, right? I mean, it's just, that, that's what happens. And then verse 10, it says, they were looking up intently into the sky. Like, I think it was the silent moment as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? You guys are idiots. Didn't you just listen to him? He said he's leaving. You know, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And then at that point, they go, all right. Okay, so I guess we're, we're gonna go back and we're gonna do what they said. We're gonna wait and we're gonna pray. Um, we're gonna wait for this Holy Spirit to come. Not even fully getting what that is, but okay, and the rest of the book of Acts is what happens next as the Holy Spirit comes about 10 days later. And I'm not gonna unpack it now uh, because someone else will preach on that in a little bit, but it's incredible. And these guys living in fear are transformed into bold world changers. And you think about it, what could happen 
in us, what could happen through us if we get this? If we get the purpose of God and the power of God aligned in this church? Man, healing's like crazy. There's crazy healings going on all over the world right now in the name of Jesus. Power in marriages, uh, in family, in getting out of debt, in moving past your past, and power to live out your dreams in the future. The same spirit that empowered them is also alive in us. When we get that, man, Pacific Beach, San Diego, Western United States, the world, God says, wants to be transformed through us. The spirit of God at work in me overflows to build the kingdom of God all around me. What starts in me, God wants to spread internationally. When we get God's purpose, we get God's power. And I want to just take a minute and just share a little bit just what that looks like as we're a church that's just a couple years down the road from, uh, from you guys of what that's looked like for us. Uh, not that we've figured it out at all, but uh, we, we planted our church, we said with a big focus on kids, and we came up with this idea early on, um, and we called it Kids Unleashed. And we said, we're going to offer free classes for kids on Sunday mornings during our second service. Um, and we just did a little bit of Facebook advertising, not even like the paid stuff. We just posted it out there. And in 48 hours, we had 168 kids we didn't know sign up for this thing. It was a six-week program where we're offering karate and basketball and soccer and sign language and dance and stuff like that. And uh, I was like, oh, shut down the site because we only had like 12 people signed up to help with this thing. I had 10,000 door hangers in my garage ready to go out. Like, you know, and we had money to promote this thing. It just we realized, man, we'd hit a nerve. There were people, there's lots of people in San Diego County that uh, look around and there are options to do things all over the place. But if you don't have money, you're on the outside looking in. <clears throat> I mean, all these people. So I actually got up a church service on a Sunday and said, the good news is we got 168 people signed up. This thing starts in two weeks. We already shut down the website because we can't take any more. Uh, the bad news is we, we're not ready for this. Uh, like we need our whole church to truly be Parkside. And I've learned this, that giving people a guilt trip um, is never a good thing, um, but if it works, you should do it. So uh, (laughs) I said, we have two options. I said, I think either we decide today we really are Parkside and we are all in and we're all gonna play some role in kids ministry or you're gonna do another ministry so someone else can do kids ministry um, or or let's just close shop and make this our last Sunday. (laughs) Uh, And I said, before you come with your answer, can I just read to you a little bit of what I think God might want us to do? And I read about where Jesus said, let the little children come to me. And maybe the reason why God's blessing us is because we have his heart and we're going after the very kids that he's going after. And, um, and they bought it and everybody, <laughs> and everybody signed up. And um, so we opened up the website again and all these crazy amounts of kids. And we had done, I thought a pretty good job of letting people know we were a church. We met in a school, but maybe not as good a job. And so people showing up all over the place. We had lines out the door for our second service. My neighbor came, she had to park a quarter mile away. I mean, we're this couple month old church plant, um, you know, with just this crazy stuff. And man, the first week I remember this mom comes up to me and she goes, you're in charge of this? I'm like, well, Kind of, maybe, you know. Uh, and, and she throws her arms around me and says, my daughters have been asking for dance classes for a couple of years. And I've had to tell them it's either food on the table or dance. I'm sorry. This is the first time I've been able to sign them up for something. Thank you. This other mom comes up to me and she says, I have six kids and my youngest is deaf and my husband is deployed <clears throat> right now. Uh, and we don't have the finances for our other kids to learn like much sign language. But you're offering a sign language track and all six of my kids are in it. You're enabling my kids to talk to their little brother. Thank you. 
story after story. This woman come in wearing a swimsuit. So the church stuff wasn't real clear. But we have a sign out front that says, uh, no perfect people allowed. And she thought, well, I'm going to test that out. And uh, she walks and gives her life to Christ. Tons of stories all over the place. And, um, and from that, we, we uh, outgrew the school we were in and then moved to this other school. <clears throat> and as I'm prayer walking, I just went on this long prayer walk, I realized there are six... Um, other elementary schools within a two-mile radius of the school that we were meeting in, right? and we're the one right in the middle, and said, I think our mission field is all these kids and the parents of these schools, which means our partners are the principals. So we set up meetings with all the principals and uh, just said, hey, we're a church, and we, we had this thing called a kingdom concept, which, which ours was to protect and empower the next generation to impact the world, and said, that's what we're up to. Can we help you in any way? And you know you're up to something that God's up to when every single principle says the same thing. Not the exact words, so they weren't working together, but they all said the exact same three answers. And after coming together as a team, we came back to all the principles and said, what we're hearing you say is we could help you with feed, read, exceed. We found out that 11% of kids in the Vista Unified School District, where our school's at, were classified as homeless. And if we could just start coming alongside and helping feed kids, man, that would be huge. We found out uh, that... Um, <clears throat> If a kid can't read by third grade, their chance of graduating high school goes way, way down. Do you guys know that? That you, you read to learn, you learn to read, and then at third grade, now it's read to learn. So if you can't read, you're in trouble. And we found out this, that in kindergarten, that if a uh, kid misses more than 18 days of school, which is 10%, their chance of being literate by third grade is 7%. Whereas um, if you have 500 hours of 500 books read to you by the time halfway through kindergarten, your chance of being literate by third grade is 100%. Meaning it rises and falls in kindergarten. And there's, in our area, probably same as you, there are tons of families that have moved from oftentimes Mexico for a better life and for their kids and didn't know that it rises and falls on kindergarten. These are great families that just didn't know it's such a huge year. So we've said we're partnering with the lowest performing schools in the district to, uh, to help families learn how to read with their kids and seeing really cool results. You guys catching this? So this idea of going, hey, how do we join God in his kingdom work? And then through that, uh, man, God opens doors all over the place. Um, it sure happens internationally too as well. And obviously I'm sharing my highlight reel. We have a blooper reel too that's not as nearly as good. But um, this is like a year ago, I'm praying early in the morning and I was praying through a Psalm every day and I was in Psalm two. So I just started. And Psalm two, it says, ask me, and I'll give you the nations as an inheritance. And so I felt like I was just supposed to pray for the nations. And we, we have these things called elephant prayers at our church, big prayers that we're praying for. And one of our six for that year was that God would help us step into one of our world partners in a big way. And just like we wanted to send people and lots of finances to one of our world partners. And so I prayed for a while for that. And, and then it was a Tuesday and every Tuesday our staff prays for an hour and so I said, hey guys, I think for the full hour, we're just supposed to pray for this specific elephant prayer about what's going on around the world. So we were praying for our different partners and what God might want to do. And halfway through it, one of the guys on my team, named David, gets a phone call and he goes, everybody look up. And one of our world partners is this guy named Jibo in Niger, in Africa. And he goes, Jibo's calling me right now. And it's the middle of the night in Africa. And we're like, answer the phone, dude. So, you know, he answers the phone, he walks outside. So we're now praying like crazy, like, God, what's going on here? And uh, my, my friend works for a mission organization who's on staff with our church. Uh, but he said, this guy never calls me and never calls me for sure this time of day. And so he comes back in 20 minutes later and he says, and we go, well, what did he say? And he said, well, Jibo woke up in the middle of the night and felt like God told him to call this guy, David, uh, to tell him two things. 
The first one was uh, his vision. And he said, my vision is that I want to plant a thousand house churches in the capital city of Niger, which is like 98% Islamic. Um, and, and he said, and the need is the second thing I'm supposed to tell you about. I'm not asking for any money. God just told me to tell you this need. I'm, I'm uh, training 300 church planters in a couple months and we're $1,500 short. And I'm just letting you know that. So David shares that with our team and I go, is it abundantly clear that God said that our world partner we're supposed to press into in a big way is Jibo and Niger? And everyone said, it's abundantly clear. And I said, is it also abundantly clear that although we don't have this money in the budget, that we're supposed to write a check for them today for $1,500 and send it? And everyone said, it's abundantly clear. So, uh, man, we, we go, wake him up. So we called him back up. I mean, in the middle of the night, he must be up a little bit. So we woke up, he's crying on the other side of the phone. We sent money. And maybe the best thing we've ever done as a church Right, he's helped plant church or uh, raise up church planters uh, in, in the other side of the world. We start telling this story, you know, because it's a cool story. Within 12 hours, $2,000 extra comes in from people going, I want to be a part of that story. And we were able to send all that and someone on our team to go deliver it to them in person and be a part of the church plan. No, Red, when you join God in his purpose, man, he brings his power. This is like two weeks ago. I'm, uh, I'm wake up middle of the night and I'm reading this book. And it talked about having goals and praying and visualizing. The person who wrote it wasn't even like a necessarily a Christian, but I had to read it for something else. And so I'm reading this and, uh, and it said, visualize every night. And so I'm like two in the morning, all right, I'll visualize these things. And I had 12 goals, which is too many for a Sabbath year, but I was working through that. And, and I sensed God tell me in the middle of the night, Jim, there's a 13th. All right, I, mean, I thought I had too many. I'm not supposed to add more. I was the 13th. And in the book, it talked about like having a trip that you want to go on, like some dream cruise or something like that. And there's just, was nothing for me in that. And my family earlier this year went to Kenya to visit a compassion kid that we'd had for 16 years. And that just took our vacation money for the next five years and flushed it down the toilet. So we're like, we're not going anywhere. Um, and then God puts in my mind, one of our world partners, this guy named MK in India, and he sent me the most inspiring email I've ever gotten in my life and it was asking for money. And what they do once a year is they raise up like 10,000 people in groups of two and they go to unreached villages all over Northern India. And each group of two goes to three villages a day and on average shares the gospel with 100 people. Anyways, they plant 20,000 house churches in a week. That's what they do in 130 degree weather. And I thought, in the middle of the night, I never thought about this. I go, well, if I can have prayer requests, I would like to take my nine-year-old son to be a part of that trip and anyone at Parkside that wants to go. All right, so I'm thinking I could fall asleep. I can't pull up the, pull up the book again. It says, next step is you have to take a faith step towards your, your goals you have this next year. And I'm like, well, I'll do the one I think God's leading in. Okay, in the morning, I'll wake up and I'm gonna text my friend, Kathy, who I think has this guy, MK's cell phone. Um, and I talk to her once or twice a year. Um, and I'll see if I can reach, get a hold of this guy in India. <clears throat> So then I finally can fall asleep. And I wake up a couple hours later and uh, pick up my cell phone. And there's a message waiting from Kathy saying, hey, Jim, hey, remember MK? Uh, he's actually at my house today in Oceanside. Can you come over to our house for dinner tonight? Did you guys hear that? My prayers teleported a man from India to Oceanside. <laughs> How crazy is that? Right, and, and so we're, we're going. We, we're figuring this out. We have a whole team that's going to India to be a part of helping plant thousands of churches in a, in a week. You guys catching this? Just the idea of going, when you go, God, I'm gonna join you in your purpose, which part of it is growing the congregation here, but it's way more than that. 
Uh, it's when we make kingdom moves. It goes, we're about growing the kingdom here in San Diego and, and all over the world. God goes, I'm gonna show up in power and blow your mind all over the place. Um, I like to imagine a lot of times what could have happened in a Bible story? Like if it didn't happen the way it did, like what could have happened? Um, it could have happened like this. Jesus, our leader is gone. Let's go hide out in this upper room. Let's lock the doors. Let's just make sure we're all safe and let's make sure that we don't lose anybody else. He said he's gonna come back. Let's just kind of kumbaya it for a while until he comes back. And probably what would have happened is over time, one by one or family by family, they would have just been like, we're getting restless. Let's get out of here. We're gonna go back home, right? This plan of trying to keep it safe wouldn't have worked and it would have died and the book of Acts would have had one chapter. Same sort of thing. Could go, Obed and Elena are gone. So let's just try to survive this next year. Try not to lose too many people and play it safe. Or you could do what they do in the book of Acts. And they get down on their knees and they start praying and going, God, we are in trouble unless your Holy Spirit comes. But we are in with this kingdom of God thing. We're gonna give our lives to it. Holy Spirit, you show up and we will pray and we will obey. And the world's transformed through some very ordinary people who had just lost their leader. And that's the season of King's Cross Church right now, right? Jesus leaves, check this out, and it explodes. I think Jesus is the best church planter ever. People like to say it's the Apostle Paul. It was Jesus. He had 3,000 people get baptized on his launch Sunday, and he didn't even have to be there. That's amazing leadership, right? God's going, man, I got incredible things I want to do through you guys in, in this time. Um, so I want to lead us in a prayer time. I want to first, though, I, I, so I'm new. So I want to just make sure we're all, we get what Jesus offers us. And then I want to lead us in a couple of things that we're going to pray through. And then we'll, we'll sing some worship songs. This is the simplest way that I, I know how to explain the gospel. Just so we're on the same page. Um, that when we were born, hey, we, you know, we're kind of a blank slate. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned. And if you're going, I've never sinned, you're a liar. So, uh, right, we've sinned. And we cheat on a test. And we lied to our parents. And we had an immoral thought. And we rooted for the Lakers. And we, you know, just do all kinds of sins through our life. And that's just yesterday from 3.30 to 4, right? We all sin. Um, the Bible goes on in Romans 6.23 to say, for the wages of sin is death. If you sin one point in your life, what we deserve is eternal separation from God, which is really bad news for self-professed sinners in this room. Um, and it says in Hebrews 9, it says, all men are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. So we're gonna come before God. And I think we do at the end of our lives, we're gonna come before him. And I don't think it's like, hey, what's up, big guy in the sky? I think it's, we're on our knees before God. And what many people will try to do in this moment is try to fake out God. And I think he's gonna ask some question like this. Why should I let you into my heaven? And for many people that respond, well, I lived a pretty good life. You know, I mean, it was better than Josh, you know, and I, you know, and it was good. And we're gonna to try to like flatten out our lives and show them that like we had it all together. Um, the problem is God knows every single detail of our lives. Every single, he knows our lives better than us. We're not faking them out. But Romans 5, 8, maybe the best verse in the whole Bible, it says, God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. And from that moment, we don't say anything about our lives. We just go, I put my trust and my faith in Jesus Christ. This is how I picture it going down. Jesus steps up and goes, that guy, Jim, he's with me. And my sins, 
are completely wrapped up in his perfection. And this is what's presented to the father. The father says, welcome home, my good faithful servant. I guess I just ask the question, hey, if you're not 100% certain that in that moment, Jesus doesn't step up and say, he's with me or she's with me, then why would you wanna go another day with that? And so I wanna pray just first a prayer. If you're going, I'd like that to be true of my life. And I want that to be true. I want God's spirit, the Holy Spirit to be alive in me and give me power to live out the mission and purpose he's called me to. It's gotta start with God's spirit actually being in you. So can you close your eyes here for a moment? And I say this at Parkside all the time. If your heart's beating fast right now, it's because God's sitting on your lap and he's just kind of pounding you going, bah, 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 bah. do I have your attention? I have brought you here to this moment for this reason. I've been pursuing after you your whole life for right now. And if you're going, I'm not certain that he would say he's with me or she's with me. Pray something like this just in your mind. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Please come into my heart and take my life. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. Everyone's eyes are closed right now. If if anyone prayed that prayer for the first time or is the first time in a long time, this is a coming back to Jesus kind of moment. Just would you look up at me for a moment if you did that today? Anyone do that today for a first time or... And then we as a congregation, and I want us to engage in this. I think supplication, another word for prayer, is the best application. So as we're praying here, I'm gonna share a short prayer and I want people just to shout this prayer out and you fill in the blank. And here's the prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my fill in the blank. And what I would love is like 40 people to just shout those out at one at a time. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my career. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my family, in my apartment complex. And if someone says yours, say it again. It can be said 27 times. That's fine. So, and the first one's always the bravest. Can we just do that for a little bit? So as one comes, what's the word that fills in the blank first for you? Just say that prayer out loud. Let's do that for a while. And say the whole line. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my thoughts. 